Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Afterwork Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture, and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Hello, everyone. Hello. We were hoping to have a sort of dispatch from the rock climbing gym for you this week, but our plans were scuppered by (laughs) (laughs) Izzy's very eventful 48 hours, which involved a last-minute trip to Switzerland, Mm -hmm. Greta Thunberg, Mm -hmm. and... 12 hours in the emergency room of a hospital. <laughs> Izzy, please elaborate. A 16-year-old climate change activist and A&E. It sounds like a Cluedo thing. Like I know. In the emergency room with an, I don't know. Hot doc. With a hot doctor and a large climate change sign. Yeah. So, yeah, I flew to Switzerland, as anyone who follows me or us on Instagram will know. A little plug. For After Work Drinks podcast. If you don't follow us, like, what are you even doing on the internet? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then that was for a last-minute work trip, and I did this march around. It was the most beautiful place. So it's on Lake Geneva, and it's this little town called Lucerne. Lucerne. I have a actually a quick little interjection on this, which was a very non- picturesque Switzerland story, which was that when we went around Europe when I was, like, 18 and we were backpacking, we stopped in Lucerne as a train stop on the way to somewhere else, me and two friends. And um, I jumped off the train. It wasn't leaving for 10 minutes to have a cigarette on the (laughs) platform. And the train was about to go like eight hours to bloody France or something. Yeah, you do this every day when we're on the bus, but less of a big deal. Yeah. So I jumped off. I just total 18-year-old idiot, no passport. I had my phone, no wallet, nothing. Um, And the doors shut. Oh, my gosh. And apparently they just closed, so it's not like wafting in cold air. But I had just had a moment where I was like, I will just be here forever. (laughs) I just have no way out. I have no identity. I can't contact the people that are on the train. It's the cutest little town (laughs) if you were stuck there, though. Yeah, I wish I had been. I could have gone for a bit of a wonder. Also, so random, my friend who is a journalist in Europe as well happened to be there for the last three weeks and she didn't see till I'd left and was like, I'm in that town. That's, that's yeah. bizarre. So yeah. many stories. Um, so anyway, I went there for work and then did this little march, met heaps of cute teenagers, converted one to after work drinks. She messaged our podcast account and said that she's listening from Switzerland. And oh, then I even hello. saw it on our stats that the Switzerland was on there. People were listening from there. Amazing. Um, and then came back. Anyway, so like halfway through the day, my eyes started getting really sore. And my eyes are very sensitive and annoying anyway, so I kind of just ignored it. And then if you zoom in on the photo I posted where I'm holding a sign, you'll see that my left eye is so squinty and red. And it was just getting progressively worse and worse as the day went on. 
And as the march went on, I was like, when will this end? <laughs> <laughs> and then I no longer care about this cause. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Greta, shut up. Greta, be brief. <laughs> yeah, and then um, managed to get back to the airport. But I literally had like t- both my hands over my eyes at this point, And it was hurting to look and it was hurting for any sunlight, which was kind of a warning sign. I was like, I'm literally going to go blind. And then I made it to the um, British Airway Lounge. Izzy's description to it, of it to me was like you were walking round street corners and if there was a beam of light you were like I don't know like, <laughs> like a, a movie villain yeah, yeah and like you were vampire. covering your face and staggering away from the light yeah literally painted a picture with words yeah and then also being in Switzerland I was you just feel so and also like something being in your eye you just feel so helpless and weird and I couldn't I felt like I couldn't cross the road properly because I couldn't see out of one side of my fucking face and then I got to the airport and I like could get into the lounge through quant- through being Qantas Gold which I'll be more upset about losing than my eyesight. Um, and then it got into the lounge and literally like burst into tears the minute I got in there and just was sobbing. Eye stuff is is particularly confronting. Like yeah. if I get something in my eye or my eyes red or my eye or whatever, it just it does affect you psychologically big big time. Yeah, and so I was just sobbing in the lounge and then my eye kind of got used to the lights. So I was like, oh okay, I can go up to the buffet and get some food. And then I walked towards the buffet and the lights were so bright there that it just started weeping. Like, I started like crying you again. Back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a um, one of those a walls. Shield. Yeah, like a shield. So Every buffet time for I you, bitch. Tried to get the mushroom pasta. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucked. Um, yeah, and then I made it home somehow and then the next morning I was like, oh, it'll be fine. And then I went to go to the pharmacy to get some eye drops and the woman was like please go straight to hospital so that's where I went and then I was there for 10 hours I was so so useless as well because Izzy had sent me a a few messages had to do with podcast stuff and I was like cut to me eating (laughs) a bagel or something somewhere and I was like I'm not dealing with this now it's a bloody Sunday and then I looked back at it at like 7 p.m and uh, after this string of messages at the bottom it said I'm in hospital lol and I was like what the fuck (laughs) and I tried to call you and it was going straight to yeah, a my dead phone, phone. Died. and in my brain you were you'd become a sort of bond movie villain and had an eye patch on and they'd had to like surgically remove your eye mm-hmm. and you were it was so annoying because i left the house to go to the pharmacy so i left the house the pharmacy's across the road left my door wide open like the <laughs> sliding door to the balcony wide open because right. it's even you though your it's, front door i was like that's no really weird <laughs> but even though it's freezing in london but you want fresh air so i left it open and didn't take my phone charger obviously or anything hadn't eaten and then just ended up in hospital for 10 hours so my phone went dead and I was just sitting there Mm. but yeah hot doc who obviously did not think I was hot worst no one (laughs) wants a hot doctor like no one's going to the doctor in their prime position to meet a boyfriend yeah no unless you're there to be like I don't know I'll go back with my eyes better (laughs) actually I have a small headache (laughs) nothing weird or gross Anyway, so yeah, we couldn't go rock climbing. I know. Another day. Another it day. will happen. Uh, shall we now speak about the most important news of the week? The most important news development of the last five years. Ten years, probably. Uh, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston like, said hello to each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she put her arm on his hand and he no, touched it. Yeah, and he's everyone's... holding her arm. Uh, at the SAG Awards. Yes. So they both won awards. Jen won for the morning show, which is well-deserved, couldn't be more deserved. Anyone who hasn't watched the morning show, please watch it immediately. Grace, you haven't really said much about it, so I feel like you don't like it as much as you should. I think you overhyped it to me. Yeah, I know. Izzy was That's like, this will change your life. <laughs> it's the best piece of television since, like, The Sopranos. And, um, no, I liked it. I've watched, I think, three episodes of The Six. But I've, I've started watching fucking Line of Duty, which is just going to consume me for the next, mm. well, probably the next four days, considering Line the rate that I'm going sounds like it. an Xbox game. Yes, it sounds like Call of Duty. Oh, but it's, okay. a, it's a police show. It's very big in England, apparently, and it's on Netflix, and it's, Amazing. It's so addictive. Yeah. So uh, that's why. <laughs> anyway. I just don't want to hear about this again. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm so sick of it. I know. I'm sick of hearing about the bloody warning show. Okay, well, I'm telling you that Jen won an award, which is well-deserved because, as I said already on this, you know Jen is a rom-com actress, as from Friends, that we love, but you don't know her as an incredibly brilliant actress, which she is, and she won 
a SAG award and then uh, Brad had just won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and then Brad was backstage after winning his award and then Jen won one right after him and he was, there's films bits, whoever was filming Brad as he watched Jen is just a legend because they're standing so close to him just filming him for two minutes yeah, as he, he watches just would, her would speech. You, yeah. yeah. It's like a historical moment that needs to be captured. Yeah, and the photographer who got the pics of them going into hug would have made a lot of money. Definitely. And then, yeah, um, he watched all of Jen's speech and was, like, laughing as she was giving it or whatever. And then... She looked amazing, firstly. Yeah. Secondly, I love this piece on Lainey Gossip, which is about, like, touting a bit of a conspiracy theory, which you know I love in regards to Mm. celebrities. The piece basically talks about how it was inevitable that Brad and Jen would run into each other at one of these awards because they're both nominated and that at all the ones before this you haven't seen them together and how the moment that they saw each other was so perfect that it felt too perfect almost. She's in, like, a bridal white gown. They've both just won an award. It's so beautiful i think they're insinuating that they were like give us fucking awards or we won't get photos together oh my gosh imagine (laughs) they're both obviously so aware of the fact that this would send the world into an absolute meltdown which it did i know but i mean and also so funny that a photographer was right there in their face yeah, like obviously it's not a conspiracy because they just both have because they just they both, both just won there. Yeah, and it was categories right after each other, but it was like beautifully executed yes. from a PR perspective. Oh, I yes. think is the Courtney point. Cox liked every single photo of them together on Instagram. That's cute. Mm. I think everyone harbors some weird hope that they'll get back together, even though it's completely impossible. It's almost like if you've got divorced parents, which we both do, it's mm-hmm. almost like, will mummy and daddy get back together? <laughs> like it's yeah. kind of that vibe where you're like. Yeah. It's a weird one as well because obviously you don't want her to go back to her cheating ex-husband who just ditched her for another woman and in front of the entire world and lied about it and then was caught on holiday with her about five minutes later and then got pregnant with her six months later and did that weird photo shoot where they acted like a family. It's just, he was such, such a dickhead. Yeah, I know, but you still just kind of want them to. I know. It's insane that it's been 15 years, whatever it's been now, and we're still just so invested in it. Yeah, it was the biggest thing ever when that happened. Because it's obviously two of the biggest celebs in the world breaking up for another one of the, like, who is more famous than Angelina Jolie? No No. one. (laughs) It's wild. It's wild. And then when Jen did the Vanity Fair piece and she broke down crying. I think it was at a time to get a bit analytical between – because I just can't imagine that kind of story happening today. And I think it's because in the Instagram age everything is so oversaturated that everything feels a bit – there's not enough time for things to become huge stories. Mm. And you're really cynical about stories when they do come out, if that makes sense. So, like, I'm trying to think of who a made massively famous celebrity couple is now, like Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas, for example. If he left her for another actress, it would be a big story, but it wouldn't be the Jen biggest. and Brad big because people would just be a bit dubious about it. And because they gave us so much access to their relationship, like we saw, we've seen, if a couple gets married now, we see all their wedding photos is on Instagram. There's a 10-prong rollout plan. No one's ever seen photos of Jen and Brad's wedding. Really? We've got a few. Do we? They're on Giddy. Of their wedding? Mm-hmm. Aren't they? Isn't it just a photo of the tent outside? Mm-mm. I'm sure? certain there's a photo of her cutting her cake. No way. Okay. So there is one photo. <laughs> but there's like one photo It's so tightly cropped. I can't even, yeah. I just have it in my brain that I've, I can see it. Does she yeah. Have, doesn't she have weird hair that it kind of looks dready? No, she's got a veil on, mm. but it's very, there wasn't much is what I'm, yeah. compared to now. I think it was this sweet spot between the tabloids becoming super invasive in a way they never used to in terms of sending choppers out to places and stalking people to bloody Ken- I can't believe Kenya Hayley. and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like they started doing that around that era and it was when celebrities were still very elusive and mysterious and kept the press at an arm's length compared to now when mm. you have Instagram. So I don't think they'll ever – there'll never be, I don't think, a celebrity news story like that ever again. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
So ridiculous that we spend this time on people who we just have no idea what's actually going on in their brains. I know. It's been 15 years. Like, imagine your ex-boyfriend from 15 years ago. If you saw him, you'd be like, hi, because there's a billion cameras well, they, on you. they hang out all the time. He went right. to her 50th birthday and, and went to her house for Thanksgiving. So they're mm. mates. So people making a huge deal out of them seeing each other backstage at an awards show it wouldn't be a huge deal to them because mm. they literally, he was at her house like three weeks ago. So that, yeah. I'm definitely going to go down some sort of horrible rabbit hole and start looking up all the photos of them and all the interviews and watching that episode of Friends again. Oh, I just watched that recently. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm in a Jen black hole after watching the morning show. Jen and Reese, love them. And another thing that has happened massively since our last episode on them is the Megan and Harry uh, Megxit Sussex Sussexit thing has come to a <laughs> has come to a close really. Yeah, it's come to a conclusion. So Harry and Megan now are both back in Canada with Archie. Megan was spotted going for a walk with Archie just in one of those like front pack things. Wow. With her two dogs and just she was, security. She was definitely in like a Lululemon tight. Yeah. Yeah. She's so stoked. I loved how when the news came out everyone was criticizing them and saying pay for frog more and then they just did <laughs> yeah. and then everyone said give back your royal titles and then they just did like everything that everyone criticized them about yeah they don't they've just care. done the thing they've just done the thing yeah that they've been criticized for exactly. i don't get why people are still angry yeah and then harry gave that weird speech though where he kind of just said as if we wanted to do this this was our last resort we were forced to wouldn't the queen just be like shut up now yeah. Just give it a break. Yeah, and he thanked everyone except his dad. Yeah, they're, they're, I read this big thing today, which is just obviously one of those sources reports. But I still think that they hold a bit of weight because they always seem to kind of be true. But the royal, you know, when it said that Harry and William were having issues and then Harry just admitted that they were having issues, this new report by The Sun said that Harry and William are now on good terms again because this kind of made it all come to a head and the, both the brothers were like, okay, well, if we're going to live in separate countries, this is crazy. Let's just talk it out. Mm-hmm. So they've talked it out with the help of Kate and Meg. Mm. And then, but things with Charles are really bad with Charles and Harry at the Why? moment. Because apparently Charles is just fucked off about this whole thing. Oh. Yeah. So they're not speaking. Interesting. Mm. The speech he did did come across as... A little bit, I don't know what the word is, Braddy's too far, a bit entitled or a bit, I think you recommended and I listened to as well the Hadley Freeman interview about Megan and Harry on the Guardian's podcast. Yeah, and I love in that, that Yeah, she's so great in how she summarised it and she talked about how while Harry's criticisms of the press, some of them are very fair, he also has a kind of fractured or not totally whole picture of how the press works because he's lumping in tabloid journalists and proper journalists and he gets a huge amount of positive press support that has really been in his benefit but he kind of talks about one or two tabloids and Piers Morgan as being representative of the entirety of journalists in Mm -hmm. England and it, it is a little unfair and it is a little bit entitled I think to make sweeping generalizations about the press in that way. Yeah I love Pretty much everything Hadley Freeman said, said on that. And it even just made me realise the way she speaks so openly about her opinions. Kind of with this podcast, we'll be so worried about saying something that we haven't fact-checked. Mm. And then Hadley was just paraphrasing and being like, yeah. and then Harry said, fuck you, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the Guardian journalist was like, I don't think he said that. She was like, no, I'm just paraphrasing. <laughs> like, yeah, she's awesome. I need a bit more of that energy in my life. Yeah, she's great. But she, but I think that that was an interesting to listen to that and then watch his speech the next day. It was cute how he was going on about how much he loves Megan. Yeah, I haven't actually watched that. the speech. There was a bit where he was being really cute and he was like, I love her as much as I did on the first day. Nothing has changed. That's cute. Yeah, it was really nice. But, yeah, I, 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 I could see there was he got a lot of negative. They got a lot of negative comments on that speech once they shared it. Mm. because he was basically saying that 
the UK is my home, London is my home, it will always be my home, but I've been forced out. And I think that maybe that's not no, I exactly mean, that's what's happened. Not necessary either. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it continues. Yes. Nice that the Queen gave Megan a little shout out in her letter. That was the most personal statement she's ever given, apparently. Right. They're usually really, she never even says my family in her statements. Mm. So yeah, that was really nice. And I think it was good to get that acknowledgement from her, especially because I hate all these people like Piers Morgan who just bash Megan all the time. How interesting was that thing in the Hadley uh, interview about Piers Morgan? He's responsible for so much of this vitriol against Megan. Mm. I didn't realise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, so they, the urban myth around it was that they went, they met up once and had a drink and then she left that to go meet Harry for the first time. Is that the story? No, I think she walked out halfway through because she didn't like him. So I think he was being kind of, he was saying some comments that she didn't agree with. So she walked out halfway through their their meeting. I don't know if it was a date. I think it was just. But he's made it out like it was a date and I just do not understand. Yeah. That was never in my brain as being part of this whole narrative so what it really is is he scorned Mm. because she didn't like him yeah for very obvious reasons and was probably dating harry at the time and didn't even think of it as a romantic thing i don't know but this whole vitriolic horrible press racket has been so egged on by him and so he did this article when they first got engaged in the daily mail being like megan walked out of a date with me but if i get an invite to the wedding i'll drop it and then obviously he didn't get an invite to the wedding and then so he went wild and said all this crazy stuff and he called her a brat for walking out of this weird drink that situation. And he's been the one who was paying her dad and her sister to come on and rag on mm. her on the TV. So he's such a little weasel. Yeah, and so what I loved about the Queen's statement where she said, I love Megan, she's become such a part of my family, to everyone who thinks they're having the Queen's back, like Piers Morgan, who put up a tweet saying, you know, it's the disrespect to the Queen that I can't handle. Mm. It's like, the Queen doesn't need you to stick up for her. She's sticking up for Megan now, so are you embarrassed? Exactly. You know? I know. Idiots. Idiots. So we're going to discuss something a little personal this week, and that is that after four and a half years together... I broke up with my boyfriend, Anton, in early December. And while it was our mutual decision and something we talked about a lot in the months leading up to it, even like long before our move to London, it has been a ridiculously hard few months. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Um, I'd go as far as to say the worst few months of my entire existence mm. in the world in life um, and it kind of I guess this news sort of explains the recent references to me breaking down crying all the time in the <laughs> wing going to therapy yeah going to therapy all the time um, because yeah there has been lots on so not only did we break up we were living together with a bunch of my friends in London and I had to move out of the house well I, I chose to move out of the house um, and then I've been bouncing around subleases for the past two months. There was Christmas, which is already a shit time, like for anyone who's lost a family member, mm. let alone being on the other side of the world in winter and without your boyfriend who you spent the past five Christmases with. Mm. And then, yeah, it's just been a lot. It has been. And you have been very amazing, <laughs> I will say now. 
Um, but we we had talked about this because we felt like there are a lot of people who enter relationships in their kind of early 20s and then come out of those relationships in their late 20s or, or their early 30s and the rules around how to deal with heartbreak and heartache and breakups and navigating all of those things are so different from when you're in your early 20s and it's oh, a bit yeah. more casual because often you've lived together for a long time, you've talked about marriage or you've almost felt like you were married mm-hmm. and, and that the way that people react to it and the way that people talk about it and how you cope with it there's not really too much of information out there about how to handle it. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to speak about this, but we wanted to leave it a little while. It's been almost two months now, so I can sort of speak without crying. Who knows what's going to happen Touch in this wood. next half hour. Yeah. Um, just sort of about, I guess, so when we had discussed, you know, ending our relationship and that it was the best thing for both of us, I had thought about that, but I hadn't really thought about much further than that. Mm. And honestly, like the day I became single, everything was so different and weird. And all these weird societal expectations kind of just hit me so different to my last relationship, which ended when I was 22. It was, it was a, it's like a completely different world. Um, And the way people kind of treat you and view it and just little, every, you just notice the smallest remarks and the way people kind of, people just look at you as if it's a failure or as if, as if you've failed at something. I think that's the biggest thing is that when you're in your early 20s, there's this uh, idea if you break up with a boyfriend, you become single where everyone's like, yeah, let's go out and get smashed and have sex with someone and whatever. It's kind of... You're, it's like you're young, so it's fine to be bouncing around from person to person. And then there's this period in your mid-20s where the expectation is you're going to find your person now and you're going to settle down and that's going to be it and you're not going to complicate things and you've achieved something as a human by finding someone that wants to cohabitate with yeah. you forever. So then that breakup is different because it seems like what like what's gone wrong? What haven't you done? Why haven't you tried hard enough? Or why did you pick the wrong person? Or whatever. I feel like there's all of these unspoken things where people put judgment onto you because the expectation is that you're just going to stay with that person now. Yeah, and also it's so funny because any person anywhere in the world who wanted to have, say, a boyfriend, so if we're talking me and Anton, girl boy type thing, or a, or a partner, could get one. That that day, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not a hard thing to find someone to like you. It's a hard thing to find the perfect person. It's a hard thing to find someone you like back. Holy shit, look at him. Aww, He's come out of nowhere. Neville. Neville, the AWD mascot, knew that we were talking about heartbreak. The ACAS dog. Yeah. Aww. He's looking for the sun. I can't deal He's with that. so cute. Yeah, but do you know what I'm saying? As in, so, so people kind of project onto you as if there's this failure to be that you're alone and there's mm-hmm. this failure that you can't find someone who will love you. But I think it's tied up as well in our ideas of success in the modern day if we think of our archetypal successful woman, and this goes back to what we've talked about in the past about all of the kind of role models that we have. They're always working, accomplished, attractive, making money, and they always are married and have a family. Mm. You know, it's kind of our understanding of what success looks like is not being single, you know? Yeah. So that's why there's these unspoken things where when you, a relationship doesn't work, you're already dealing with the fact that the relationship failed. And then there's this extra societal thing that is making you individually feel like a failure for not living up to this standard of what mm. successful womanhood looks like. And you just notice the tiniest things, like even a few days afterwards, I was listening to a podcast and... I was listening to Table Manners with Jessie Ware and she had on um, journalist and author Dolly Alderton onto her podcast as a guest. And without even meaning to, without even noticing what she was saying, she was saying, I can't believe you're single. I can't Mm. believe you can't find a boyfriend, is Mm. how she was saying it. And then Dolly interrupted and she was like, oh no, I'm single because I choose to be. I'm I'm single because I'm taking a year away from dating because I want to be alone. Mm. It's not always something... You know, like literally if someone wanted to find a boyfriend the second, they could go on a dating app and be on, going on a date that night. Right. If you don't, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. if you don't have the standards or if you don't have, like if you're not looking for the perfect person, it's not a hard mm. thing to find someone to date. Mm. But heaps of people assume it's because you can't. 
Yeah, the automatic assumption is that you can't find someone. Yeah, or something's wrong with And you. obviously the inverse to that is people like Leonardo DiCaprio, where if he's single for a period of time, the assumption is it's because he doesn't want a girlfriend. Yeah. Whereas if you look at someone, uh, and, and thankfully now I think the narrative around that is changing, but it's changing so slowly. We were talking before this podcast about how the kind of prevailing idea of what singleness looks like in women is Bridget Jones on the couch crying drinking wine singing all by myself that by has Celine been Dion. me for the past six weeks yeah but, but not that's still ever. that's still how we I think deep down culturally view single women is as maybe putting on a front to society but going home and crying and being upset and just wishing they had a partner and we don't really have positive role models to showcase mm. the opposite of that. And the best example recently would be someone like Emma Watson who talked about, quote-unquote, self-partnering in an interview with Vogue. And while that's great, it's a bit goopy and annoying yeah. as <laughs> yeah. a phrase, yeah. you know, but it's it's very slowly shifting where Vogue US wrote an amazing piece called The Young Woman of Hollywood Are Single and Loving It, and it talked about how Ariana Grande, Selena Gomez and Emma Watson had all spoken out about how they were all choosing not to have a partner for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And I think it is changing, but it's changing slowly. Yeah. And even Emma Watson in that Vogue piece was saying that she was feeling like a failure for about to turn 30 and not being in a relationship, not being like not having a family unit. And Emma Watson is a brown graduate actress, millionaire, famous UN ambassador, and she felt like a failure turning 30 without having a husband. Yeah, so the quote is, there is suddenly this bloody influx of subliminal messaging around once you turn 30. If you have not built a home, if you do not have a husband, if you do not have a baby and you're turning 30 and you're not in some incredibly secure, stable place in your career or you're still figuring things out, there's just this incredible amount of anxiety, end quote. Yeah, so I think I felt that immediately after us breaking up, which I didn't think I would ever feel because I'm quite independent you know, I went to LA for three months and didn't see Anton. He came and visited once. But, you know, we've always... And we li- we did long distance when I lived in Sydney for a year. Mm. I've always been a, quite an independent person. And I, even I... And, you know, I don't... I've been quite vocal about not knowing yet if I want to have children or not. Mm. Marriage isn't a big thing to me. My parents divorced when I was young. I've mm. just always, you know, I'm like, I want a pretty dress and to have a party. But that's about it. And even I felt this crazy weird pressure and I'm not feeling the pressure of, you know, the biological clock ticking mm-hmm. or wanting to have this happy family thing, but I still felt like a failure. And that's why I didn't even want to talk about it on the podcast at first. Mm. Cause I was like, people are going to think, and I even said to you, which is a crazy thing to say. And I had to check myself afterwards. I was like, I want people to know that I wasn't broken up with, which mm. is nuts. You know, it was mutual and it was the right thing for both of us. But I didn't it was want important people to, to feel... You that people didn't think that you'd been, yeah. Yeah, left, which is crazy. Yeah, it makes it out to be like a shameful thing yeah. when it just isn't. Yeah. I know, it's really complicated. But I think as well, the, the society does make it difficult for women to be on their own. Like, I think that's true. I think financially, it, it, it's so much easier to be with a partner that's been the case since like the dawn of time it was she talked about it in little women Mm. how it's always been in a female's best interest financially to be partnered up it's a safety thing we watch tv shows like unbelievable how single women are targeted by predators because they're vulnerable great pardon great yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i know but that's horrible but i just mean we're consuming things constantly on a daily basis whether it's oh, my God, are Jen and Brad going to get back together through to horrible news stories yeah. about the vulnerability of single women? All around us is messaging about encouraging women to couple up, I think. Yeah. And it's it, it it's so pervasive and it's been like that. It's been literally a thing that women couldn't get ahead without being married. We're moving out of that system now, but it's going to take a long time to shake off all that baggage. Yeah. And it's just so crazy when you look at men. You would never think someone like Harry Styles had failed because he doesn't have a girlfriend at 25 or whatever he is. But that's the assumption. The assumption is always that if a man is single, he's chosen to be single. And the assumption is always that if a woman is single, she's not chosen to be single. She mm. just can't find anyone. Mm. And I think that's where the whole root of this problem lies. Lies. Yeah. Well, I do not want a man, that's for sure. <laughs> Anytime soon. <laughs> Apart from the hot eye doctor. Apart from the hot eye doctor. Another thing that really, really shocked me about this breakup was I've been through breakups before. 
Um, I was in a three-year relationship in my early 20s um, and we lived together and it was really serious and we were in love. And when that ended, it felt completely different to this. So it's a funny thing because I think that if you haven't experienced this kind of heartbreak, you just don't get it Mm -hmm. because I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. Like I'd broken up with someone before and I'd been fine and I didn't feel anywhere near anything like this. And obviously everything's escalated because I'm on the other side of the world with no family or anything in it in London. I just moved here and I had to move out of my house and blah, blah. But it was literally, so the the, the pain was physical. Mm. So I was vomiting, cramps, like my eye, the the doctor said that the cause of my eye is stress. Mm. Literally went blind in one eye from it. <laughs> um, and so I did some research and According to a psychologist, Dr. Guy Winch, who is the author of the book, How to Fix a Broken Heart, when we're heartbroken, our brain responds the same way as it does to addicts withdrawing from class A drugs such as heroin. Another 2011 study found that people had similar brain activity when they viewed a photo of a former love to when they burned their arm. Oh, my God. (laughs) They had to burn their arms for the study. (laughs) Um, And then... Uh, breakup also results in your body pumping itself full of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, hence my eye, um, which suppresses the immune system and affects coping mechanisms. So it actually, heartbreak can actually be a really physical thing, which it has been for me. It's mm. been so physical. And also the grief element of it where it's kind of like someone has died, but they're still alive. So when my dad, it, it feels very, very similar. The past six weeks have felt so similar to when my dad died in that, like, literally almost the exact same. Hmm. Because, and I mean, obviously, it's it's completely different because your dad dying is different to you breaking up with someone. You can't compare it. But in the sense that I lived with Anton and slept beside him every single night, and then that person is just gone, hmm. and you're not seeing them or speaking to them, it literally feels like that person has died. And you just want to talk, you just, like, your brain automatically, you forget that it's happened. And you just click in, and I, I'll watch a Netflix show and want to text him and tell him about it. Yeah, or I want to talk to him about my day. And that's the thing where sometimes you've said that to me in the sense of, I think you feel guilty about it, or you feel bad, or you feel like, why do I want to text him? Why do I want to tell him these things? Why do I want to talk to him all the time? But this is a level of relationship uh that you guys had is it goes far beyond boyfriend girlfriend it's like your best friend it's your confidant it's the person that you tell all your highs and lows to it's the relationship is at such a level it's almost we talked about the way that we have long-term relationships now is the way our parents generation had marriages Mm. you know in terms of they would have been married for several years when they got to the point we're at in our long-term relationships so in a, a strange way a modern breakup is kind of like a divorce. (laughs) And we all know that that's a huge, huge, huge level of personal grief. So I think that the grieving thing is so true. And I remember you said that your therapist told you that when you go through a period of grief, it kind of brings you back to other Other periods of grief. So you're kind of double grieving for the thing from the past and now the new thing too. Yeah. Which is fun. (laughs) Yeah, no. So that happened to me when my dad died. My ex-boyfriend died when I was in high school. And uh, obviously that was a really, really horrible traumatic thing to go through. Mm-hmm. And then when my dad died, I, was, I would be having dreams about him all the time and feeling really, really upset again and find myself hysterically crying about my boyfriend, James, who had died. Mm-hmm. And then with this breakup, it's made me, which sounds crazy to anyone who's not an animal lover, but with this breakup, it's made me really, 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 really <laughs> miss my cat, Frankie, who we left behind in Sydney. And I spent an hour crying in therapy about my cat. And then at the end, I was like, this is crazy. And she was <laughs> like, no, this is what happens. Your brain reminds you of other losses that you've had in your life. Mm. And yeah, and the psychologist mentioned, because I I'd obviously, I mean, I have obviously been avoiding places that we used to go together. I've been avoiding the area we used to live in, avoiding the park I used to go in all the time. But I found myself accidentally really close to my house, maybe a month after we'd broken up, and I had a full-on panic attack. Mm. And I was like, wow, I'm just losing it. But then when you read research in it, psychologists mention that it's like really, really common to get severe anxiety and to feel super upset, which makes sense. Yeah, But I was just like, what is going on with my brain (laughs) for the past six weeks? Well, that's the worst thing as well because there isn't that much – I feel like breakup advice, quote-unquote, after it happens is generally – catered towards things like don't text your ex-boyfriend or go out on a date on thing. It's very superficial level content that seems to be in regard to kind of juvenile 
relationships. You know what I mean? And there's just not much content and not much, not many spaces for women to talk about these kind of serious, grief-inducing heartbreaks in a way that's not belittled or treated as kind of silly or facile. Mm. Yeah. The lack of plan as well for me is a big one. I've always been a planner. Mm. So, and we had a, a plan and now I don't. So it's kind of a, a rewiring of my brain in that sense, which I find quite hard. Yeah, especially when we have anxiety. Yeah. It's yeah. like the worst thing. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're about six weeks out. Yeah, maybe what, coming up to eight. Coming up to eight weeks. What advice do you have for people who've just come out of a very serious breakup? So I have advice from... I have suggestions from my therapist, which I found worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, well, this is actually one of my friends who went through a really bad breakup. She called me and suggested that I write a list of things that make me happy. So things, just little things like reading, which you mm. don't make time for, getting an oat milk latte mm. in my little keep cup and going for walks, just little things that make you happy and then trying to implement them into every day. So I've been trying to do that. I stopped drinking completely. So I haven't had any alcohol basically apart from a wine or two in months. Having friends around has been such a huge thing for me. Obviously being on the other side of the world and not having any family around has been really hard. Surrounding yourself with people is so massive because I think when you feel like this and it does feel this this sort of thing. <laughs> the voice is cracking. <laughs> Izzy's eyes are welling up. My Aww. eye. <laughs> Single eye. <laughs> Oh, honey, I can't come and hug you. You broke up the flow. So (laughs) this sort of thing does feel like depression Mm. in a way. And even my therapist said that's very normal. And when you feel depressed, which this is the first time in my life I've ever felt like this, Mm. you (laughs) – I can't speak. Mm. You – should I stop for a sec? Whatever you want. I don't know. I love you. You don't want to surround you. I've got to stop. My, oh my voice God. sounds insane. <laughs> okay. All right. When you feel like this, you don't want to be around people. Mm. When you feel... I've never felt depressed before. And this is my first foray into it and you you don't want to surround yourself with people who don't want to put yourself out there you just feel shit and you Mm -hmm. just want to stay home and you just want to be by yourself and that's kind of the worst thing Mm. for you but I'm really bad at asking for help so Mm. for me sitting down and telling someone that I need help is like an impossible thing for me to do because as you said I always put on that you know I'm fine everything's great thing and I always am the one who wants to be the life of the party and make people laugh. Yeah, and you give a, a, a exterior of being so capable and so fine and you're do, you're doing well at work and you're doing you come into the office and you're just all go and guns blazing and you don't sit down and say I feel and you you do it now, but you know, I feel like it doesn't come naturally to sit down and say I feel fucked today yeah. and I didn't want to get up and I didn't want to come here and I feel terrible and I feel awful about this, you know. Yeah. Um and that's I think the way so many people deal with things because you feel like you're putting people out or you don't want to be over like overbearing. Yeah. Um but I would say surrounding yourself with people who are going to look after you is a really big one. So you have been incredible, as you know. Um, I've got a gun to her head right now. <laughs> no, like, dude, she, Grace, went away for four days over New Year's and you called me every single day. You know, just little things like that, just checking in. And even you'll call me and you were out for dinner in Paris having dinner and you'll still chat to me for half an hour because you know that that's, I don't know, potentially the only person I was going to be speaking to that mm. day, which has been like a huge one. It's been very isolating. And my friend Hannah has been amazing as well. And Hannah's the activities girl. So she makes sure that my days are planned. She was away for a month over Christmas and New Year's. So it was very barren back then. But, um, you know, she Very makes... bad timing for a breakup oh, too. Oh, God. Like just pre-Christmas Do and not. New Year. Uh, yeah. Izzy had to spend this ragtag Christmas day with um, my family. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so hot tip, do not plan it around Christmas and New Year's. Mm. But um, yeah, I think having those small things planned because so for example you won't even really remember this as being a thing but we had a dinner planned on a Friday night when Grace had sort of just arrived in London didn't even have a house yet and was living ages away with her dad and so she was like oh do you mind if we just reschedule dinner because I can't be bothered with the big trek back home I was like yeah yeah no worries that's fine and then you had obviously noticed we haven't even spoken about this but you'd obviously noticed me being funny for the rest of the afternoon without saying anything because I didn't say anything. I actually hadn't. I know you think I did, but I maybe no, I had a you bit. You yeah. had because you'd finished work and you were just hanging around. You weren't even working <laughs> anymore. And I was like, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, I've just got stuff to do. And then you waited until I was finished, which was another like two hours after you. And you were just kind of meandering around. And then you took me out for wines and we had wines. And that's where I burst into tears and said, as soon as you cancelled dinner I realized that I had no plans and nothing to do all weekend and you don't this is the biggest thing it sounds so naive and so silly but when you live with a partner you just take for granted that your nights at home are still in someone's company I know Mm. that sounds so stupid but but like I forget that if me and Zach were broken up and I was just coming home because I'm like, oh, I just like a night at home. Why would Izzy care about being home alone? And it's like, because you're home alone. There yeah, isn't someone know. pottering around doing things. There isn't someone to talk to about your day. There isn't someone, you know, it, it's, it sounds silly, but you, you forget that that's what happens when you, you break up with someone but you've also, been living with. But also me being alone in LA for three months, not living with Anton, felt completely different to yeah, being alone course, at home yeah. now mm-hmm. and knowing he's not there at all. Mm. It's, it's a completely different thing. It's like, I love having a weekend to myself. I love being by myself. I love reading. I love my own space. But realizing that after five years of either talking to someone every day or seeing them every day or sleeping beside them every night, you're going home to not even your own home. I've been subleasing to sit in a room and suddenly you're like, I don't know what I'm doing for dinner, but I haven't made any plans with anyone. So I guess I'm just doing nothing. And then another thing that my therapist suggested (laughs) Uh, in terms of just trying to, because, yeah, my mind frame has been pretty bad. Um, and she was like, doing little things that make you feel nice is so key. So she literally said, get out of the shower and moisturize your whole body. I love your therapist. Yeah, she's so, <laughs> she's so bougie. She's like quite stylish and chic. She's and like, apes, Aesop's grapefruit flavor is great. <laughs> yeah, she's literally like, go and buy my Burberry trench. She's, I know, I don't know how I found her, but I just found her and she's an angel. walked into her office and was like, you look so nice. And I was bawling <laughs> my eyes out. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's been a godsend. But she said, do things that make you feel nice, as in get out of the shower and just moist- and just take the time to moisturize your whole body. And when she said that, I was like, I literally don't even own body moisturizer. Mm. I haven't, that's how long I haven't even, since I moved out of that house, I just haven't bought any in, in eight weeks because I just haven't been, I've been literally getting out of bed, getting in the shower, going to work, going home, getting in the shower, like going, going to bed. the motions. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think also... For anyone who's going through a breakup, this is the most cliche thing in the world, but people say that all you need is time. And when people are saying that to you, you're like, well, I don't fucking have that. (laughs) But it's been like, yeah, coming up eight weeks and I know that I'm out of the worst of it. Yeah. And that was something I said because Zach and I broke up a couple of years ago um, and we were broken up for nearly a year. And it wasn't the same thing because we hadn't been living together. But I remember saying to you that the one piece of advice that really, really, really helped me was that if you start to look at things big picture, you get so overwhelmed that it feels completely unmanageable. So I remember someone said to me, just get through today, just make micro goals, like get through today without texting him or get through today without calling him or get through today without panicking about something or get through to the end of the week without whatever. And it was just this process of if you think, oh, my God, I'm never going to see that person again or I can't believe I'm never going to do this and we're not going to get to do X, Y, and Z and we thought about doing this holiday or this trip or this thing or living here and we're not going to get to do any of it, that's going to make you feel so overwhelmed and distressed. You just need to focus on, like, the one thing you can physically do that day that's manageable to cope with it Mm. and then the next day you wake up and do the same thing and then all of a sudden it's been six weeks or eight weeks and all of those thoughts start to just feel a little bit more manageable. Yeah, so for me, the first day that I got through without crying was huge. Mm. 
Mm. And then I got through the next day without crying. Yeah. You know, just, yeah, little things like that. But, yeah, totally. I can't even – when I first moved out, and this is why I, I was subleasing for so long, because I literally could not, could not find a house. Mm. Every single time I went to look for a house, I would just lose my mind because I was like, that means it's final, even though it's obviously final, you know? Like, yeah, totally. But now that's more manageable. Yeah. So, yeah, breakups suck. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> the worst. The worst. But friendships like yours are pretty good. Ah. Well, this is the thing. You've got you to have love in your life, you know? It sounds like a cliche, but if, you're, if you don't have love from a romantic partner, you need love elsewhere. God, I need a dog, honestly. <laughs> I meant me. Yeah, I mean you. <laughs> no, I know. We need to get you a cavoodle. Yeah. I know. I literally want an emotional support dog so badly, but I'm still not over the heartbreak of Frankie Bootsy Puss. Mm. So anyway, shall we? Okay, so that's it for this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If any of you are going through a breakup or have breakup tips or would like to talk to someone, we are your virtual BFFs. Jump on our Facebook group. I think it's probably the best place. It's an incredible community of women who will be so supportive and helpful. Um, We'll get some sort of chat going in there, I feel. Yeah, breakup tips. Breakup tips and tricks. Um, And please rate, review and subscribe and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. I'm off to cry. Jokes. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Bye. Bye. You look really pretty now. Bye after crying. Yeah. It's like giving you a fresh glow. Take a photo then. (laughs) (laughs) Not that pretty. The eye? I should hide one eye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.